Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I have trusted in your steadfast love. And my heart shall rejoice in your salvation I have trusted in your steadfast love and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation Still give me aid. 
Father, one true and living God, creator of everything that has been made and ruler over all things, both seen and unseen. We marvel at the wonders of your creation and at the mercy that you show and your care for it. But Lord, we admit that the cares of this world often obscure our vision, that in the midst of witnessing so much that is broken and unjust, our hearts are tempted to distraction and self-indulgence. Lord, by your power, open our eyes, lift our drooping heads, and strengthen our weak hearts. Renew your spirit within us. Remind us that in our weakness, you are proven to be strong. In your strength, give us the courage to show hospitality to strangers. Remember those who are in prison and love those who are mistreated, both within our body and without. By the power of your spirit, meet each one of us this morning so that we may do your will and be a humble people who strive for peace in the midst of division and learn to love that which is pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Children are dismissed for children's worship. Um, we will now continue the service um, with the time of confession. We will first do it through corporately, uh, through word and song, and then we'll do so, um, we'll have a time of silent personal confession. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. Jesus
Take a moment to confess your sins to the Lord. Lord, we thank you that when we bear our broken spirits, and contrite hearts before you, you are faithful to forgive. Blessed are we whose sins are covered with garments of salvation and whose broken hearts are mended and whose mouths are filled with praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Um, as we have been welcomed by the Lord, let us welcome one another.
The Old Testament lesson is from Habakkuk 2, verses 1 through 5. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. The New Testament lesson is from Luke 18, chap or chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. 
And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again. It's good to be here and to worship with you. Thanks, Grace, for reading the scriptures. Uh, we're going to continue our, our summer uh, sermon series. You'll see in your order of worship that we're looking at a, a series called uh, New Testament Words of Life. And uh, during this summer, each week, we're looking at a different uh, book of the New Testament and also then a key word from that book. It's a chance to kind of get a survey of the New Testament, but also to think uh, again about the, the depth of what God has done in Christ to bring us life. And so uh, this morning we're going to look at the book of Romans, the, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And the key word is faith. Faith. Uh, but before we read our passage, I just want to take a few minutes, maybe as a way to start, to think about some common misconceptions or misunderstandings of what faith means. So first, one way that we could misunderstand faith is to think about, you know, to live by faith means that you live uh, against logic, you know, you live in an unreasonable way, you know, even against yourself sometimes, or just in a strange behavior. There's a, a novel by Flannery O'Connor called Wise Blood. In it, she presents two characters, Asa Hawks and Hazel Motes, two really great, awesome names. But uh, Asa Hawks is an itinerant preacher who pretends to blind himself in order to show that his faith that God can bring sight to the blind. And Hazel, the main character, goes a step further. He actually does blind himself to show that as a prophet, he walks by faith and not by sight. It's a strange story, but it makes the, the question, is, is that what faith is like? Is faith kind of this, what we see in these characters, holding strange or random beliefs, engaging at times in you know, hurtful or unwise or unreasonable actions? And that's a misunderstanding that why faith does call us to hope in things unseen. And there are definitely times where we walk in faith in a way that might be confusing to our neighbors. The scriptures invite you and me into what we could call a reasonable faith. One that is not disconnected from our minds or our bodies or even the welfare of our neighbors. As an example, the Apostle Paul writes that if Christ isn't raised, our faith is pointless as a way of saying that our faith is connected to historical events and reasonable things, and that the gospel is worthy of our trust. So one misunderstanding is that it's a strange thing. It leads us to strange actions. The second misunderstanding of faith is that it's just the affirmation of a list of ideas. That faith is just a series of answers to questions. And of course, answers and doctrines are deeply important. Again, our faith is based on knowledge, the revelation of God's word, understanding what it says and how it speaks to our questions. 
But biblical faith is more than just knowledge. Biblical faith is knowledge that leads to trust, to a new way of living. And so this morning, we're going to ask again, what is faith? It's not some illogical, strange actions. It's not just a list of ideas. What I'm hoping that we can see as we look at our passage is that faith, faith is receiving and faith is trusting. Faith is receiving and faith is trusting. And that in these ways, we see that faith is a new way of living in this world, a way that is rooted in the grace of God and the power of God in Christ. And what we'll see in our passage from Romans 4 is that these aspects of faith, this receiving and this trusting, they are on display in Abraham, the one who is called the father of faith. So let's look at our passage. This is Romans 4, verse 13 through 25. You can follow in your Bible or in your order of worship. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it, but if, for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Well, as I mentioned, what I, I hope we can look at is this question of what is faith and to see these two aspects, that faith is receiving and faith is trusting. So we'll start with this first one, that faith is receiving. It is receiving God's gift. In setting forth Abraham as an, as an example of faith, Paul offers a contrast. Maybe you noticed the promise to Abraham did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The astounding promise to Abraham that God gave to him that he and his children would inherit the world was not given because of something that Abraham had done or would do. It was fully based on God's gracious decision to bless him. And so at the heart of this promise is this connection that God has called Abraham out of his grace and that in doing so, God then becomes known as the God of Abraham and Abraham known as the one who belongs to God, the man of promise. 
as we think about this contrast between uh, law and faith, uh, one author, maybe it's helpful, that describes what we call law language. The law language is to say, you shall. This language, you shall, demands our obedience. But there's also promise language, which is, I will. And this language demands our faith. God's law makes demands, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you shall not covet, you shall not bear false witness. This calls for our obedience, but what we know, all of us here, is that we transgress these all the time, and as our passage highlights, therefore the law brings wrath, or what the law brings is justice. The law, when present, reveals all the ways that we fall short of God's call. But there is a promise. God makes in his grace a promise. And using promise language, I will. And that language is rooted not in what we do, but it's rooted in the faithfulness of the one who makes the promise. Not rooted in our behavior, our actions, but rooted in the one who makes the promise. And in doing that promise, what God has done for Abraham and all those who belong to Abraham is he's creating like a shelter a refuge. And what Abraham does is he enters that shelter not because of his performance, but because he believes. He believes in the promise of God and therefore enters in to the refuge and shelter that has been created by the promise. As we continue to think about this contrast between law and faith, we can see that in the later in our passage, it uses the phrase counted to him or credited to Abraham. And this is Paul knowing that this is a complicated idea, but an important one, giving us an image that I know all of us here can relate to, that we have an account. You have an account in, in with your money, and things can go into that account because you earn a wage, you did a job, or they can go into your account because you received a gift. We know that those things happen, yet, yet they are different. And Paul invites us to see, look, that Abraham was credited. Something went into his account. If your account receives a credit because of your work, then you can boast. Look, I, I did it. I earned this money. It's not a gift. But if you receive a gift, there is no boasting. There is no obligation. You received a gift from someone. And this is the case for Abraham, and it invites us to think about faith as this fundamental picture that biblical faith is these open hands receiving a gift that has been given to you. And if that's true, and what this contrast allows us to think about is that how do I relate to God, or how do I picture my spiritual life with God? Is it one that's based in a transaction, that I do certain things, and therefore God then maybe gives me credits? Or is it that God gives me a gift? And that the spiritual life is learning to live in that gift, to receive it. God was not obligated to declare Abraham righteous in light of his performance. God was not obligated. But God gave the gift of life to Abraham. And Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
And the wonder of this is it's not just about Abraham. We see at the end of our passage that this counted to him as righteousness, that he received the gift in faith. It's not just for him, but for you and me also. It's not just a one-time account, but this is how God relates to his people. Righteousness being declared in the right with God and accepted by God in a full sense is to all who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead. Full acceptance belongs to all who believe in the one who died for our trespasses and was raised to new life by God. See, the promise rests on grace, not on our performance, so that it can be guaranteed. And what is striking about this gift is that it is given not with a consideration of the worth of the one who receives it. God gives without regard of one's worth or resume or performance. Faith is receiving a gift given to you. And just so we can be clear about what that gift is, a passage makes it clear that we could describe it as a double crediting. (laughs) We go back to our account. God does not count our sins against us because Jesus was delivered for our trespasses. But he does credit our account with the righteous life of Christ who was raised from the dead. So to make that clear, the gift that God is offering to you in his grace is that your sins would be removed, all of the the negative of the account taken away, and Christ's righteousness poured into you. And then when we receive this, that we stand in full acceptance before God as his child loved. And this gets to the whole point of what God is doing, the point being that you and I have a problem that we cannot resolve on our own. We cannot make ourselves just, We cannot clear our accounts. And so God deals with a problem that we cannot deal with ourselves. In Christ, God gives a righteousness. And so faith, if we think about what faith is, it is setting aside my work, setting aside my hope that I can fill my account or manage it myself. And it is with open hands receiving a gift that God gives to you. Faith is receiving, receiving an acceptance that runs deep in Christ where we are forgiven and fully received. But it's not just receiving, also faith is trusting. The second aspect is faith is trusting, it is trusting God's promise. And the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, when talking about where to seek life or how to know what life is, He said, many, many years after Abraham and Sarah had been alive, he said, if you're wanting to know how to live in a right way, if you want to seek and know who God is, then look at Abraham and Sarah. Isaiah said, ponder Abraham and Sarah. And here, maybe some of us know the story, but we should remember their story again. They they were called by God to leave their country to leave their people and their father's household and to go to a land that God would show them. Think about that for a moment. God's call, it goes into places where we often have the deepest places of fear and uncertainty. 
leave the place that you know. Leave the place of your ancestors where it was assumed that you'd live all your days for a place that is unknown to you. Leave your father's household, all the people who know who you are, to find a new identity, to become a new people. Abraham and Sarah were called to feel the uncertainties, even the fears of such possibilities, but they went. They went not knowing where they were going, and in the book of Hebrews, we're told that Abraham went looking for a city that had true foundations, a city whose designer and builder is God. They went seeking something that would endure forever. And so if we're pondering Abraham and Sarah, then faith is not just receiving a gift. Faith is trust, trusting. Who do I listen to? To whom or, do, or to what do I entrust myself? Who tells me who I am and, and how I am to live? Ultimately, in terms of followers of Christ, do I believe that God and God's word are good? They will bring good things to me. Or when it gets at the heart of it, am I actually just on my own? Finding my own way. The passage that Grace read from Habakkuk 2 says, The righteous shall live by faith. And it's an interesting time in the people of God when Habakkuk was there. It was a time of great difficulty. And he was calling people to entrust themselves to God during a time of profound uncertainty. In chapter 1, Habakkuk describes what was going on, saying, Destruction and violence were before me. Strife and contention were everywhere. The law was paralyzed, justice never coming, the wicked surrounding the righteous. The righteous shall live by faith, entrusting themselves to God that God is good and God is faithful. See, faith is entrusting ourselves. And trust is highlighted. We know this. It's highlighted. It becomes very apparent the more that things are difficult. When things are not going well or when the uncertainties feel very close to us, whether internally or externally, where we feel afraid, that is when we see it is who, who or what it is that we entrust ourselves to. Abraham and Sarah heard God and set out. And on this journey to find a land that they did not know, they received a special covenant promise from God. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And through you and your family, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. I will bless you and through you and your children, your family, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. They heard a promise that spoke of children and spoke of the future. I will give you as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. But this promise came to Abraham and Sarah when they were childless and almost 100 years old. Our passage says that Abraham knew his body. 
knew his age. He knew the age and condition of Sarah, his wife. And as one translation put it, he faced the facts. Abraham and Sarah were faced with their limits, their inability to make things as they desired or even as God had promised to them. But what we see in faith, faith here is that they did not simply consider their bodies. They did not simply consider their age or their bareness, but they considered the character of the one who made the promise. They considered the one who said, I will. And with hope in God, they believed against all human hope. Abraham trusted that God was able to do what he had promised. He had in faith trusted in the God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hear that again as a description of who God is one who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist with hope in such a God and such a promise in the face of their inability and their lack of control. Abraham was fully convinced God was able to do what he promised. Faith is receiving the gift and faith is trusting the one who gives it. I mentioned this poem before in other sermons, but there's a poem by Walt Whitman called The Noiseless Patient Spider. There are certain images, maybe if you have this, that to stick in my mind, but then this is one. In this poem, Whitman compares our soul to a spider. And like a noiseless, patient spider sending forth filament, 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 he says, out of itself. So my soul is ceaselessly venturing throwing out, seeking to connect. This image that the soul, with like spider-like strings, seeking to form a web of security in life, always reaching, always seeking, always something to attach itself to, looking for something to cling to. This is an image of trust, that our very nature of who we are, we need to cling or attach ourselves to something. And many voices tell us <coughs> a web, a web that will last, a web that is secure, what it should be attached to are things like our job, our education, how much money we have, or how we can network, or how we can foster the right social capital, the right image. These are the things that will give credit to your account. These will give you a, a web that will last. Our passage is inviting us to think deeply about that, that temptation of who do we trust, of what do we cling to, especially in times of struggle or uncertainty. Faith is believing or trusting. Faith is trusting. And its reasonableness, the reasonableness of that trust depends on the reliability of the person being trusted. It is reasonable to trust the trustworthy. God, who is steadfast in his faithfulness and loving kindness, is trustworthy. He is able to fulfill the promise that he has made. 
Behind all the promises lie the character of the person who makes them, and Abraham knew this. And as he contemplated his own limits, his own ability to bring about what he longed for, he remembered the one who said, I will. He reminded himself of the power and faithfulness of God. And ultimately, this God is not simply the God of Abraham. He is. But he's the God of Jesus. The one who died for our trespasses and was raised to new life. God is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, if faith invites us today to receive the gift of our sins taken and righteousness given, it invites us also to trust our very lives, our next step, to the giver of this good gift. Let us find our identity. Let us cling to this one who is trustworthy, who gives good gifts to his children, who is faithful to the promises that he makes. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise that you, what your blessing is is not rest on the law. It doesn't come through our performance, but it comes through righteousness of faith. We thank you for this gift that we saw in Abraham, and it's not just for him, but it's for us as well. Let us receive it today, and let us walk in new trust, trusting you are the one who has claimed us and who is faithful to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing together? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground in sinking sand. Fails his lovely face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Darkness fails his lovely face, thou pour me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, even is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, fathers to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand.
the Lord be with you and also with you. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give you thanks and praise. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. To the Lord our God. It is right to give him Almighty God, you are rich in mercy and steadfast in loving kindness toward your people. In your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, you have shown us the immeasurable riches of your grace and kindness toward us. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And now we join with the people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. We remind ourselves each week as we come what this gift is, and the, the invitation to prepare ourselves, to consider ourselves. As we come to this table, we have a chance to think about that image of faith, of open hands receiving a gift. So as we said many times, that we come to this table not with our hands full of you know, what we have done or the full of the things that we promise to do in the future, but we come to this table of God's with our hands empty. For our place at the table is not one who contributes, but one who receives. We come with open hands, reminding ourselves that we are sinners in need of forgiveness. We come with open hands, declaring to ourselves and to God that God alone can make things right that are broken. And he puts broken bread and cup in our hands to remind us that our place at the table, our place in God's family, is by his work for us in Christ, a broken body and shed blood. And through this great gift, we are united to God, connected again, but also connected to one another, that we may love one another as he has loved us, and that we may go forth loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. So I invite you to come. If you know what it means to put your faith in Christ and not yourself. If you know what it is to be a sinner needing God's grace, then come and eat and drink of this table. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this table be a witness to you, an invitation for who God is and what it means to receive the gift that he's given. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table, and we pray a prayer of thanks for this bread and cup, these things that we can see and hold and taste that tell us about who you are in your kingdom. We give you thanks that, as Romans told us, that 
it is by grace, therefore it is guaranteed. That our place rests on your work that has been accomplished, therefore it is guaranteed. Not in what we will do. And so we give you thanks for this assurance and pray that it would bring great rest to our souls. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to come down to Center Isle and receive these gifts of God, and you can go back on the sides. If you're able, I ask that you hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not participating in communion this morning, I still invite you to come down to Center Isle. Just put your arm across your chest. I'm happy to offer a prayer blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward now. Let us receive the gifts that God gives to his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let's drink in faith. I invite you to stand that we can respond to this table of grace that God has given to us. Lord, with thankfulness, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue worshiping through a time of, of giving, a chance to respond to God's generosity. So I want to go ahead and invite the greeters to come forward. Uh, there's a, a gray basket you can put your communion cup in and a silver offering plate if you'd like to give a gift to the church. Uh, you'll see a note in your order. If you'd like to give, uh, you can also do that through the website or by text as well. Uh, just want to say again, welcome and good to be able to worship together today. If you're visiting, uh, so glad that you're here with us uh, this day to, to worship couple uh, reminders. Um, one is there's a, a black info pad under the center, I mean the chair in the center aisle. If you're sitting in the aisle, if you don't mind reaching down and picking that up and passing it down, uh, that way you know who you're worshiping with today. And if you uh, like to leave your information for the church to follow up, but you can receive a weekly email, that, that would be great as well. Um, also just a reminder, there's coffee and, and bagels afterwards. Uh, it's in the hallway behind us. Hopefully you can stay after as a chance to get to know each other and enjoy some time together, um, and it looks like it's still raining. So probably just, you guys can go out in the rain, hang out too if you want, or you can just stay in the hallway back there and enjoy the, some coffee. <laughs> um, but let's continue giving our gifts uh, to the work of God. Please rise and sing, uh, just sing the doxology, please. Praise God from whom all blessings. 
secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Receive God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. May go in peace. Thank you.